0: going to go. Now, uh, once again, welcome to St. Thomas' Church. We are glad that you're here. Um, as we're walking through this summer, uh, what we're doing is we're looking at kind of the major uh, 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 cornerstones, focal points of the Christian faith, of, of uh, Christian belief, of uh, Christian doctrine. And uh, one of the things that we're looking at um, is, uh, well, uh, today is the church. What is the church? Now, of course, the, the, the scriptures have all kind of re, of uh, descriptions, all kinds of analogies for for the church. The bride of Christ, the, the cornerstone of Christ, the keystone of Christ, the body of Christ, all of which we, we always need to, to sort of hold uh, with each other. But the one that I'm going to focus on today, just for the sake of, of our time, and frankly, the aspect of the church culture or of the church that I believe speaks most clearly to our culture. Is the idea of the church as our family. The church as our family. And so of all the scriptures that I felt the Spirit moving me to uh, select, especially as we look at what family really looks like and about what our culture, what, what this Western world is really asking us about. Um, oh yeah, once again, I'm on Benadryl. So any children 4K through 2nd grade who need to go out with Ben. Please do so, unless you burn them, them all up. Thank you, Ben. There we are. Great team. Um, but, but, uh, but, but one, uh, not only will we be looking at, you know, what does it mean to, to, to be in the true family of God? But also I think that, that, that our scripture really scratches an itch, makes a connection point with um, uh, big questions, big, big desires that our Western secular culture has. And so, as we look at this really important, um, sometimes misquoted, certainly outside of the church, but I would argue just as much inside the the church, uh, scripture here, um, we're going to be looking at three things that our scripture says about the church and about the family of God. And they're this that the church is the place of true belonging, it's the place of true loving. And it's the place of true working. It's the place of true belonging. It's the place of true loving, and it's the place of true working. So, number one, our scriptures show us that 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 the um, that the church is a place of true belonging, true oneness, true family. It doesn't. Take a genius to figure out that one of the real marks of our society, of our culture, is this drive for inclusivity. And let me say on the front end that a drive to welcome all is a great thing. It's a godly thing. It frankly should be an implication of the gospel. It is a response. It is a good response to those in power. Right? Who are not valuing the fact that every single human being on this planet has worth. Every single human being is made in the image of God and deserves to be treated with such respect. And there's this intuitive sense in the human heart, isn't there? To include everyone. To make sure that everyone has a home. That's a good thing. But ironically... One of the biggest criticisms that our culture has, and we don't just need to throw it out wholesale, but we certainly don't need to swallow it wholesale, is that the, is that the church, as opposed to being inclusive, is exclusive. It seems to separate humanity. It seems to tell some people no and other people yes. And, and they would turn to the scripture and rightfully ask the, ask the question, well, Isn't this against what your own scripture says? Look at what we have here in in Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, male nor female. Say black or white, Latino or American, whatever it might be. And they would say, well, aren't you excluding them? Don't you, as a family, welcome all of your members? And of course, our response is, of course we do. But in fact, the real response, the real power behind this scripture is not that we just simply affirm everyone where they are, but we love them as Christ has loved us. We love each other as Christ has loved us, and that means that we don't just strive for a false inclusivity, a surface welcoming in, but we strive for real love, real relationship, real welcome. Now of course there's so many issues that I could talk about here, but of course one of uh, of uh, of a gender identity is certainly one that's very popular right now to to discuss. And you see what is happening in this culture, in this worldview, and it's been coming on for um, over 250 years now. Is this idea that me as the individual, I get to decide what I am. I'm my own creator. My own intellect, my own feelings, my own experience, that's the ultimate truth for me. And so what we begin to to see is, and all of us are guilty of it. This isn't the great sin over any sins or over all sins. This is the sin that we all suffer from It just manifests itself in different ways. Some of us struggle with addiction issues. Others of us struggle with identity issues, not from our gender, but from our vocation. Many of us suffer from identity issues or worth issues or value issues based upon our income. And in the words of one of my favorite contemporary theologians, Tim Keller, uh, certainly I think that greed is much more dangerous than a gender identity issue, right? Both are things that are rebellious, both are sins. But frankly, I know a lot more of my Christian friends that are guilty of greed, including me than of any of these other sins that we as a a church have lifted up. But at the same time, we can't say that that they're right. So, what does real inclusivity look like? What does real welcome? What does real belonging look like? If it's not just wholesale adoption of someone affirming all that they say about themselves, then what is it? Well, we get a glimpse from our scripture here. What is Paul talking about? Well, first, some context. Paul, of course, if you don't know, he's one of the great uh, uh, evangelists of the church, a great church planter, a great theologian as well. And and the spirit inspired him um, as he was dealing with conflicts within the church to write certain letters to these churches to share with them the gospel and, and its implications. And what we have in the church in Galatia, which is really modern day Turkey, it's addressed to the whole area. Is there's a problem. The Jewish Christians, not because they're Jewish, but because they're people. Are looking down on the Greek Christians, on the Gentile Christians, on the non-Jewish Christians and saying that they aren't holy enough. They need to add more rituals to their Christian lives. They need to keep some of the Old Testament law in addition to believing in Jesus Christ. Now, of course, we get other examples of that being reversed to other places, so this isn't a Jew thing at all. This is a human thing. And so what Paul is telling them here is actually, you are a new family. Right? But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. What was that guardian? The the law. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Now that's a radical thing, isn't it? We've, we definitely have racial tension in our community, certainly in our state, in our country, and in our world. But they actually expressed it and experienced it at a much deeper level. Greeks saw themselves as the pinnacle of human civilization. The great designer, without the Greeks, there'd be no Romans, right? This is being written when the Romans are in control of this area. They believed that their philosophy and their intellect and their culture and their art was superior to everything else on the planet. Likewise, the, the Jews believed that their theology, their philosophy, their art, their culture was superior and everyone else was below them. Likewise, your value as a human being was based upon not the fact that you existed, but upon your citizenship. If you were a Roman citizen, you were of the highest class of human being. And then as you went down the uh, various structures that they designed for themselves, you could imprison other people. You could enslave them. And of course, as we talked about, gosh, it's probably months ago now, uh, the fact that women in both Greek and Jewish societies at this time, not because the Bible taught it, but just because. Was a cultural practice, were seen as not even worthy to give testimony in court. So there was every possible human division based on pride in this culture at this time. And then Paul, not because Paul's made it up, because Jesus said it, Paul says, You know what? All those old dividing lines are gone. In Christ Jesus, you are now one. Family, You are now sons. It's not to be exclusive to women. What's that saying is that now, women, you've got the status of sons. The legal status of sons. Not through some great work of moral improvement, but through faith. Faith in what? Faith that Jesus Christ, yes, he died. Yes, he was raised from the dead. Yes, he's in heaven sitting at the right hand. But most importantly, I needed all that for me a sinner. And I'm a sinner and I'm in need of that salvation. And if we put our trust in Christ, Paul would uh, tell these people, you are now a new family. But there's something extraordinary about about this this family. You no longer get to define yourself by what you want to define yourself by. The Greeks and the Jews and the men and the women want to define themselves by their own self-definitions. But you see, what... Our Lord knows and what Paul is preaching is that the greatest danger to ourselves is not culture. It's not Satan. It's our own hearts. And and, and my own heart is deceitful above all things. It lies to me constantly and tells me that I'm perfect just as I am. It tells me that the problem is with them, not me. But, of course, if you've ever lived with someone like that who wasn't me because it, it is you and you don't realize that you're just deeply disturbing the people around you because of that attitude. Ask my wife. She will tell you all about how obnoxious that, that I am. But you know automatically how untenable that that is and how any inclusivity based upon just affirming how people come to us. Makes a shallow belonging, doesn't it? Because there's never any transformation. There's never any giving to each other. There's never any sharing. There's never any being broken down because there is one quality that all of these people share, and that they are sinners in need of a Savior, just like we are. And of course, we had our vacation Bible school with um, Greater Goodwill AME, a historically African American church. And what's beautiful is we sit in Bible studies for children and Bible studies for for adults and they do arts and crafts for the adults, by the way. And that's fantastic. Like no matter what we do, we're, we're going to have that in the future. So that's so much fun to make beads around the table. It's awesome. But what you hear up there one night is the stories of storms and here are African-American people who have different backgrounds. So soci- soci- Everything's different. But their Jesus is my Jesus. Their sin is my sin, and their need of a Savior is my Savior. And that's what makes us one family. That's what makes us one family. So, point one: the church is the place of truth, belonging. The church is the place of real inclusivity. Why? Because we truly identify ourselves with the one trait that every single human being has in common. And that is we are sinners in need of a savior. And that savior is Jesus Christ. Not ourselves. And once we get to that place. Now we can truly share our hearts. Now we can truly be welcomed without judgment. Why? Because I'm a sinner. How can I condemn you? Let us come and let us repent and enjoy the goodness of the gospel forever with each other. I'm tempted to go on, but that's the Benadryl talking. So is this the church? I'll end with this for, for point one. Is this the church where you feel that's true? Is the church the place where you can really truly be yourself a sinner and come and find relief and forgiveness and comfort and encouragement? If you're coming to be accepted just as you are without changing, the Lord Jesus loves us too much to allow us to do that. So that's the first thing that our scriptures show us. Is that the church is the trace, is the place of true belonging. Only sinners welcome. But of course, it's not just a place of that. It's also a place of loving. You see, ironically, the same culture of which we are members. That deeply wants to make everyone welcomed and included. Is actually terrified of the very thing that it wants. It doesn't truly, the individual is terrified of truly being known, of truly sharing their hearts with you. And if I'm to be very um, honest about my own heart and, and I think about all of our hearts, is that we do not want to be part of institutions that ask something of us. And not only ask something, but frankly ask everything of us. We love to have relationships that affirm us right where we are. Never tell us that we're wrong. Always tell us that that we're right. And then when we enter into any kind of real relationship, the moment that that relationship seems costly, it begins to ask a great deal of us. We run away. One of the most. Exciting things that I get to do. And if you want to come join me. Love for you to have me. Have, have you. <laughs> here we go. It's kicking in. Um, is come and join me here. In the mornings. And watch toddlers try to set up the nursery. Watch our young people come up to, to me and say. What can we do to help you? Come join me throughout the week as you hear stories of people loading cars, not for a day, but for months on end to each other. Come and hear stories of people saying, you know, you're in this gap part in your lease. Move into my house with your children and your animals for months. Do you need help with your children? Let us take them. Let us help you with childcare. Are you sick? Are you busy? Are you exhausted? Let us bring you food. Are you discouraged? Let me cancel what I'm doing and come sit with you. These aren't things that I'm doing. These are things that you are doing to each other. I'm amazed by what the Spirit of the Lord is doing in you. And most recently, are you in need of drug and alcohol rehab? Let me help pay for that for you. That's a community of love. That's costly. That's expensive. This is what it means to be in a family that asks not just a little bit of you, not just what's convenient from you, but literally because of the Lord asks everything of us that we would pour ourselves out for each other and truly Not just be loved, but learn how to love. Theologian J.K.A. Smith um, wrote a book uh, called. um, um, uh, The uh, well, the basic subtext is this. It's the liturgy of the ordinary. It's that the way that we grow into Christ-like people is, yes, hear the gospel, yes, receive the bread and the wine, yes, come and worship, but it's also, if you want to know how to love, just start loving sacrificially. Just start doing it. Just start putting it into practice. Maybe you're doing it for the wrong reasons. Guess what? We've never had a pure thought or motive in our entire lives. We're always doing it for the wrong reasons. Or at least a little bit of it mixed up in there. But if you really want to have a heart that's shaped like Christ's heart, yes, hear the gospel, that's the fuel. But also, get up and begin to love sacrificially. And it will cost you. And in that process of loving and serving and thinking, you will become more and more loving. That's not an option if you're a member of a church. That's a requirement. That's a requirement. In fact, I would even argue that that is a fruit or a sign of what it means to be a disciple of Christ. Is that you're actively pouring yourself out for your brothers and sisters. Yes, around the world, but most definitely in your local church. So if the true family of God is a place to truly belong... It's a, trace, it's a place to truly love. Third, it's a place to work. It's what, it's what I call the family business, right? As, as many of you know, uh, my uh, wife Lizzie volunteers her time over the summer to build sets and scenery and all this stuff um, for uh, the acting company that, that my children are a part of. And Lizzie, of course, comes from a family of incredibly talented people. They can build anything. They can paint anything. Lizzie's sister, Tori, actually helped design a lot of the uh, internal sets and Harry Potter world. I mean, it's just, it's amazing what these people can do. And for years and years, the whole family's been involved in this family business. And you walk into the Royal Hardware, you walk into any hardware store in Mount Pleasant, and they know who the Oaks are. That's my wife's maiden name because they're family business, right? That's what they do. That's what they've been raised on from their, from the, you know, my wife was um, uh, 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 shingling roofs when she was seven years old. I'm not exaggerating, right? Um, her brothers have literally been building cinder block houses and pouring foundations since first grade. That's not an exaggeration. This is what they do. They're raising it from their earliest days. It's part of their identity. It's part of their um, understanding of who they are. And you see, as we are part of this family of God, I've talked about two ways that we are blessed by his grace, Right? We're truly welcome and we can truly belong and be ourselves and be be forgiven. We can truly learn how to love and love each other. But at the same time, when you're part of this family, when you have the likeness of the son Christ, your heart is at the same time focused on the world. Focused on those who are not yet your brothers and sisters in Christ and your heart breaks for them. Your heart aches for them. And the greatest irony is it even aches for your worst enemies. So what is the family of God? The place of true believing and belonging where we're sinners broken down And out of that, number two, we come to truly love and serve each other. Without that, we have no church at all. And then finally, we are to be the place of working in the family business as we go out into the world, welcoming more people very different from us. Loving them so that we might share the good news of a Savior who died for, for them. That's my work, and that's your work, and it's our great joy. And this is what the church is, as the family of God. And this, of course, is good news for us sinners indeed. Amen.